Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me is a man who has begun to fill with Christmas joy, Zach Mabry. Zach, how was your Thanksgiving, my friend? It was wonderful. That was great. Tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C Mabry. You can email us podcast at romancircusblog.com. Find us on iTunes, rate and review us if you want. It'd be nice. We'd enjoy it very much. You can also find us on Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play and anywhere else podcasts are. Okay. So, Zach, you had a great Thanksgiving. Did you, you went up to Arkansas to be with the family? Yes. So my dad grew up in a small town, um, I guess sort of near Little Rock, if you're familiar with Arkansas, or I guess Hot Springs. A lot of people have heard of it because it's historic. Um, so outside of Hot Springs where my dad grew up. And so every year uh, we spend Thanksgiving there. So he has he has two brothers um, and their families. And so everybody um, everybody made it up. We're missing one cousin this year. So that's pretty good attendance record. Did you find um, him? Yeah, still still missing. Okay. We're offering a finder's fee. Yeah, um, that's a yeah, Patreon tier. Yeah, it was great. We always have multiple kinds of turkey because people have strong opinions, and so there's always a baked turkey. Okay. And then there's always a deep-fried turkey. Have you ever had, like, the Cajun deep-fried turkeys? I thought you were going to say you have one female turkey and you have a male turkey. Um, no, I have uh, not. No, you don't eat... What? You don't eat male birds of any species. Why not? It's just not a thing. Any any bird that you're eating, poultry, is it's always the female. Is that is that for real? I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. Oh wow. My mind is blown. We might have to stop this episode and and reconvene after Well, I, I think Yeah. Somebody fact-checked me on that, but I'm pretty sure you only eat, you know, hens, girl turkeys, etc. Hey, man, it's 2018. We should be able to eat whatever uh, gender of turkey we choose. That is true. That is true. Okay. Uh, no, I have not had the uh, Cajun deep-fried turkey. We just go with uh, microwaved turkey. No, I mean, uh, sorry, ovened turkey. Nice. Yeah. So the crazy thing about the deep-fried turkeys is they take like 30 minutes to cook. Um, but I think it's State don't Farm. They, don't they explode or something? Is that what you're going to well, say? Well, right, because, like, you... Well, yeah, so it needs to be thawed and dried. But, like, I think it's State Farm that literally... I don't know if they put out videos or stats, but they just beg people to please don't deep fry your turkeys because people, I mean, people are really stupid about food, especially mm-hmm. in this country. Sure. And, you know, they just don't pay attention to some of the details and they end up, you know, catching themselves on fire or burning their house down. Um, so, but we, uh, we've been doing the deep fried turkey for years and we've never had any problems, but I mean, we always do kind of gather around to see if this is the year that my uncle catches himself on fire. Um, <laughs> cause I mean, when you lower it in, it's still a pretty big thing, but it, I mean, honestly it comes out juice. It doesn't come out like crispy breaded, you know, it comes out juicy, flavorful. It doesn't come you know. out all explodedy. Right. And it's not like crunchy. Like, I mean, it comes out real nice so i always i always get both so i always have some baked and some some deep fried and i'm i'm uh, just picturing like i'm picturing a restaurant where your slogan is like uh 
the turkeys don't explode in the deep fryer. They the taste explodes in your mouth or something like that. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, we we can workshop that yeah, for we'll, a new venture. We'll figure if, out if that's... we don't start getting more uh, patrons, we'll have to open a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, so good. Uh, that's good. Good to hear. I was here. What about you? What did you do for Thanksgiving? I was here in good old L.A., Los Angeles. I spent it with mutual friend, friend of the show, Bug, and his wife and his child and a few friends and. They were they'd been out of town for a few months in Alabama, and it was nice to see them again. And yeah, it was great. They uh, they got in like at midnight on Thanksgiving and slept. And then his wife Jill just went to Whole Foods and bought a bunch of food so we could all have Thanksgiving dinner. It was really sweet. That is Jill's very sweet. So I'm sure that was wonderful. She is. She's she's great. Great people. All great. Thanksgiving was great. It's is great. All is great. That's all I have to say. Something, uh, I was thinking about something about LA. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a fan of the Los Angeles Angels? Um, I'm not, not a fan. I, I, and I like, I'll root for them if they're in the World Series, if they're playing someone I don't care about. And I, I don't know. I, it's, yeah. What's weird is that, like, if you translate their name, it literally is the, the Angels, Angels. The Los Angeles Angels. Yeah. Of And they have of Anaheim on the end, too. So it's the, the Angels, Angels of Anaheim. Yes. Wild. Yeah, I think they should... Wild. They, they should all cancel each other out and just be Anaheim, I think. Yeah, I think that's how it works. Cross-multiply, you know. Something like that. Zach... What's in the news? Is that is that the news? Is it all Angels baseball talk? Jake would love that. I I honestly haven't been watching the news because it was a really big week for football. So just to give an update on that, the uh, the Sooners are heading to the Big Twelve championship. Right, they um, played Texas. And, yes, and so the last time that OU and Texas uh, played twice in the same season was before Oklahoma had statehood. Oklahoma was still a territory applying to be a state. Wow, so was this like 1984 or something? Yeah, no, 1903. Oh, yeah. Um, the other thing is that OU is 9-2 and two on season rematches. Not, sorry, 9-2 and two on season rematches. But the two losses is Texas. Okay, but that was literally over 100 years ago. So I, think, I don't think any of the players on this team were on the team then. Yeah, I think Mac Brown was the coach, though. Did you see? By um, the way, Mac Mac Brown just got hired to be the head coach at North Carolina. I know. I mean, we watched him slowly starve all the life out of Texas and put them in this horrible drought for years, and then now somebody else is hiring him. I mean, he was a great coach in his day, but it, it's not his day anymore. Right? Didn't he start at North Carolina before he was at Texas? Yeah. Okay. Yep, yeah, and they love him there. I mean, he left North Carolina specifically for the Texas job, and they they always loved him there. But uh, it just, I mean, I don't know. He was a good coach, and he has a great record at Texas. Um, but literally by the end, that he had sucked all the life out of that team just because, you know, I think he was, he'd done his time. That's well, why yeah, we he, were, you know. He whiffed, he whiffed on, like, every top quarterback recruit that was coming through Texas. So that was, like, the big thing. 
Well, and he, I mean, that's one of the reasons that like when um, when Bob Stoops retired, it, you know, we felt like it was early, but we were glad he didn't, you know, wait too long because that's kind of what it seems like with Mac Brown. So um, also a lot of our listeners are Catholic and they might be fans of Notre Dame. Neither of us are, but uh, they ended they they're now undefeated. So that's right. cool. They yeah. they're headed pulled it out against USC. They're headed to the playoff and um my alma mater ASU won the big rivalry game against Arizona, so that was good. They nice. they were down 19 in the fourth quarter and came back to win. So that was, That's exciting. Yeah, it was pretty insane. Yeah, it must be nice. It must be nice to be uh Notre Dame and you know, not have to play anybody hard, but uh <laughs> and make it to the playoffs. Um and then the other thing obviously was like the seven the seven overtime nail biter between LSU and Texas A and M. Oh yeah, that was crazy. I I I uh, know I, I, I jumped in what, at go like the fourth overtime. That's when I jumped in. I was texting with Jake and I was like he was like, I just want to go to bed and I was like, Me too. Can this please end? <laughs> yeah. Um It's funny, I normally don't root for Texas A and M, but um you know, LSU is kind of in the playoff con- or, you know, could have been in the playoff conversation mm-hmm. at, you know, cause they're ranked number seven. Um, and so I wanted them to lose just to, you know, get rid of any chance of that. Cause you know, I'd like to see the Sooners make the playoffs. We, we normally do make it since it's been put in place, but, uh, you know, I don't want anybody to challenge that. So assuming that we beat Texas in the big 12 championship, we'll be going. Um, but with our defense, the way it is, Beating Texas will be a challenge. You know, we don't talk very much football on this podcast, but uh, um, I know I'm, I'm waiting for people to just tear all my takes apart and be like, "You're so stupid." Because obviously, I'm I'm much more knowledgeable about almost anything other than you know sporting well, things. But I know. think I was going to say I think they the listeners that stuck through it uh, are probably here for the long haul. Either that or they just press like the fast forward button a little bit until they heard us say something like, so yeah, about that Catholic thing. And then like, oh, right. oh yeah, we can start listening again. Yes. And we'll, we'll, we should tweet like the time marker for like when we were done talking about college football. Yeah. Like the boy, the boys talk about the boys stuff until the 11 minute mark. And then uh, once again, we get into the church the church. And I, I meant to say it like that SpongeBob meme with all like the capital letters and lowercase letters all mixed in together. But, right. Yeah. Okay. Fine. That, that. So the so the church. <laughs> yeah. So anything else? That Catholic thing. Uh, I don't know. We so we we got a suggestion from loyal listener Maddie that we should do an update on what's going on with the church and the scandals because we did that at the episodes a few months ago and we haven't really touched on it. Uh, so we thought we'd spend at least the first part of the podcast going over that. And then we will move on to a little bit of talk about Advent, which is basically, yeah. basically here, Zach. I know. Um, well, so I'll start with the disclaimer. I, I do think that there's value in, in staying informed about what's going on in the church and the world. Um, but you know, one of the reasons I personally kind of pulled back was, uh, on, on following everything so closely was just that it's not the most valuable use of time. Um, sure. And so, 
you know, I mean, ultimately, when you when you do reach the end of your life and you meet our Lord in our final judgment, He's not going to quiz you on, you know, what did what did Cardinal Seurat say about about the liturgy, you know, what did what did you know the synod about the family say, um, you know, it's going to be on your your virtues and whether you had sanctifying grace when you died, and so, um, Zach, Zach, you know, what is he, he going to ask about brunch? Is he going to ask about brunch? Uh, uh, we won't. We won't go there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So. Okay. So just to just to point out though, like you know, it, sometimes it can feel like by staying informed in churchy things that that's sort of your religion time or your spiritual time, and just to remember that you know, the time you spend reading about current events in the church doesn't count as you know prayer or spiritual reading or mm-hmm. or whatnot you know it can be good in its own right because you're staying informed but you don't want to be chasing down every detail so and i also well, we kind of got bored with it well yeah we remember we did an episode if you anyone wants to go back and we talked about that where we talked about fluff and conspiracy theories right so it right so yeah i forget what episode that was but we right and it, you know you start writing yourself permission slips you kind of say oh i don't have to go to mass i mean did you hear what this bishop did and Mm -hmm. you know i can i can tell a lie i mean can't believe what this cardinal did so you know and it's so easy to start getting those kind of tempting thoughts um you know when you just get too caught up in all the stuff going on so i mean suffice it to say it is bad um but you know our lord works through the church and we don't always know what he's doing and when so we just kind of watch and you know keep our faith and pray the rosary every day get to mass go to confession you know do the stuff do the things yeah that's a great disclaimer so now give us the business all right so um where we left off was you know the vegano letter and the response to the vegano letter mm-hmm. and things did kind of slow down after that um there was the synod the youth synod uh in rome which I mean, the big thing on that was just that some of the statements were sort of a departure from how the church normally handles, you know, sensitive subjects about, you know, life and and family matters and, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Right. Uh, A new paradigm there. And then, you know, just, I mean, it was sort of painful to watch some of the ways that they tried to seem relevant. And there was like a laser light show and they were doing line dancing. And, um, you know, I mean, you've been to weddings with me. I'm all about you know, line dancing and the Cupid shuffle, but probably not as part of some like, you know, church deliberative body, you know? Sure. Um, so that happened. Um, and the big thing that happened lately though, was the USCCB Bishop meeting. You know, they all came together to talk about the scandals to decide on new policies um, mm-hmm. What we talked about before is that the like the current policy is called the Dallas Accord, and it sort of spells out the rules for priests and deacons who, um, you know, are accused of of misbehaving. And then there's you know rules for lay volunteers and all that kind of stuff. But you know, as we said before, it explicitly exempts bishops from the policy. So there's no, you know, uh, there's no zero tolerance policy for the bishops. Right. Nothing like that. Uh, there's really no policy in place at all for the bishops to deal with bishops who um, misbehave as far as, you know, USCCB policies. So they put together some proposals and were going to vote on them. 
and um, Cardinal Donardo, who is the head of the USCCB, announced that there would not be a vote um, because they had been asked by the Holy See, by the Vatican, not to vote. Um, and this was very controversial when it happened. Right. Um, as, as, because, as you would imagine. Right. I mean, people are like, you know, why are they, you know, it's it's October, November. Why are they just now dealing with this? And then they're not even going to deal with it. And it's going to be put off until the Vatican um, has a a big meeting, I guess you could say, to discuss it next year, I believe in February. Fact check me on that. I didn't write the date down. Right. Um, and so basically the Vatican just asked that the USCCB hold off until then. Um, and I, I don't know, I think I was maybe in the minority that I didn't see that as as such a bad move. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can disagree with me, but realistically, it as we talked about in our series on the church, it is the the pope that's above the bishops and it's the pope's job to discipline the bishops and so you know it really rightly ordered should be the pope putting forward you know what's going to happen and what the policy is going to be sure and right i think sorry to jump in but i mean i guess the frustration would just be like people just so desperately want answers immediately right so if you the last thing they want especially you know and i'm I want to say this as kindly as possible, but if the people don't trust you to do the right thing or to do the right thing in a timely manner, the last thing they want to hear is we'll get to that in February because, uh, granted February, I mean, there's the holiday season and everything, but also what's to stop them from putting it off until the summer or till next fall after February. Right. Right. Um, I, I, I agree and, on the authority issue. I'm just kind of speaking from what I think the frustration might be. Right. Well, and I, you know, I think looking at it, it's like, do we really have to wait? But, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what could the USCCB have done that would have made you think, oh, okay, cool. I'm happy with this. Good job, USCCB. Good job, American bishops. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing. Like, there's there's nothing that they could have done that would have, you know, been satisfactory to even a plurality i mean i guess they're dead but you know they they wouldn't have been satisfactory regardless right and so i think that it is somewhat better that it's going to be handled this way i also think you know you have to remember the usccb isn't like a canonical body it's it's sort of an association of bishops um and it doesn't have authority over the bishops in it you know it's it's not like you know, the CPA, you know, I'm an accountant, the CPA board can discipline me because they have jurisdiction over every CPA. Mm-hmm. Well, the USCCB isn't, you know, the bishops club. It's, it's something where they all come together and sort of voluntarily form this thing. And so I don't really even know what authority, I mean, and somebody that's better at canon law should definitely correct me on this, but you know, if a bishop didn't want to apply it in his diocese, can he just say, well, you know, this is from the USCCB. It's not, I, you know, I don't have to follow it in my diocese. I don't know on that, but it, you know, it, bishops don't police each other. It's generally Vatican, the the, the okay. Holy See that polices the bishops. I get it. So you're you're saying that it, a, a rushed thing could leave a lot of wiggle room and a lot of excuses for people not to follow through on something. Yeah, because I, I mean, I just don't know what authority the USCCB has over 
the bishops in it. Yeah, and that, um, that's that's also a good point because and, and I think that I think that entity is obviously losing a lot of faith with a lot of people. So even if they came to a decision, people might just kind of deflect and not take it seriously. Right. I mean, hopefully they just dissolve it entirely. But sure. Um, the yeah, and then so the other thing that's been controversial is that the as in the run up to the the Vatican's summit to address the abuse crisis, um, Cardinal Supic has been invited to participate. Oh, nice. Um, yes, and we we did an episode about him being kind of dismissive of of this whole scandal, saying that the church has you know more important things to deal with, like climate change and global migration. Right. Um, some of the, some of the quotes he had uh, in some interviews were pretty awful unfortunately right and so you know i mean i I guess the response to that is we just need to be praying for him and praying for this um meeting but you know i I can't say i'm i'm super thrilled by that uh, appointment um right mainly with kind of his dismissive attitude towards the whole thing and calling it a rabbit hole but then also you know you have to look at the ties between him and you know now archbishop former cardinal mccarrick um, and the role that McCarrick played in in Supic even becoming a cardinal, and you know, I mean, it's I think it's like the auditor in me that is like, well, you know, follow the trail. Is this, you know, is is there objectivity here? Um, hopefully, there will be. And you know, a conflict of interest doesn't mean anything by itself. So, regardless of the role that McCarrick played in Supic's, you know, kind of career, if you will. Um, Supic could show up with excellent ideas to protect children and families and, and also just make sure we get, you know, the right men in the priesthood. Um, and you know, a prayer rosary. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's good. I, I like that. Um, the, the other, th- the other thing, obviously we did our kind of emergency episode about that first letter from Archbishop Vigano, um, Right. If you remember, we was so quick that we'd only read it, so we were calling him uh, Vigano. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Vigano has put out two additional statements that are worth reading. I would just look them up. They're probably available on National Catholic Register, Catholic News Agency, or, or LifeSite. Um, and you can kind of see his statements, but he's he's in hiding mm-hmm. uh, for fear for his life, which is interesting. That's I mean, that's what he says he's in hiding for. We sure. don't know if his life is actually in danger but uh i don't know it seems seems like a a bold claim to make if it's not true um so so yeah uh, check out the follow-up letters you know follow all that but again you know ask yourself how it's impacting your prayer and spiritual life and you make sure you set aside more time for for prayer and spiritual reading than you do for um you know scrolling church militant and, and getting caught up on on Bishop stuff. Cause, um, at the end of the day, you're not going to be asked about any of that stuff at your judgment, but you know, you will be asked, you know, if you prayed, if you, you know, did the corporal works of mercy and, and whatnot. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's just a matter of us having, uh, you know, uh, what is it? The word I'm looking for, like false expectations or like if we're expecting too much, I guess that's kind of the thing when we're, to think about when you're going over all this stuff. It's like, what do you want the resolve to be and what do you expect to happen? And then you can kind of see, take, you know, take a moment and think if that's actually what's going to, the outcome that's going to happen because like, the, right. The whole, and I would just, 
I was going to say the whole idea of like, we got to Pope Francis needs to resign. Like you honestly, you're going to be waiting forever for that to happen. Cause it's not going to happen. Right. So it, it's like that you, what, what, what's a reasonable thing that you can expect to happen really? Because it, at the end of the day, as we say a lot, like our, the, our authority, us personally, and the authority of basically everybody listening to this is very minimal, even priests to an extent, because they can only do so much within their own diocese. Right. So like the idea that it like, uh, us completely stressing about this every single moment is going to actually change the church at large. Like we've, we've said before, like there, the church has gone through phases and gone through chastisements and the people have been just fine. Right. And the church has continued on. So we're not, we're not important enough to be living in the age where the church ends because that's not going to happen. So we might like, we just have to keep doing what we're doing and, we we can obviously talk about it honestly but don't get like ultra stressed out that pope francis hasn't resigned yet right i mean because you really have to think about what you're asking for with the idea of pope francis resigning um first of all i know that these have been a very frustrating five years of this pontificate i think you can you can kind of guess how I feel about a lot of the stuff that's gone on. Um, and so I, I get that for a lot of people, you know, turning on the news and seeing, you know, he's resigned, uh, would, would be some kind of affirmation that things were going to get better or that, right. you know, the circus is ended to no pun intended. Hey, the circus um, is never ending. Zach, we are here to stay. Right. Okay. Sorry. But here's the thing guys is First of all, it sets, well, first, just immediately, they'll have to elect another pope, okay? So if you have a real big problem with Pope Francis, recognize that half of the card, more than half the cardinals that'll be voting in this conclave were picked by him. Mm-hmm. And one of the cardinal, one of the current cardinals will have to become pope. There's about a 100% chance that there was something that went on in his diocese or, you know, his, his realm um, that, that he didn't deal with perfectly or he didn't do enough to stop it or right. he dismissed allegations that turned out to be true. And so is he going to resign? And, and is it going to be a waiting game for every pope until one scandal brings them down and yeah. it, the papacy becomes basically the you know the British prime minister who never serves out a full term, always ends up resigning? Like uh, what do they call um, it? Snap elections? Where they just, right. they just make a new election? Right. We're not going to have a snap conclave every time, you know, a pope gets bad press for, you know, making a mistake. So it it really, to me, doesn't matter if all this stuff is true. The, the pope should not resign. Popes in general should not resign. Right. Um, we, and we, we, I mean, we did a whole episode on this. So if you guys want to go back, you can listen to it. So there's no need to draw right. it out again. But it, yeah, we were, yeah. We were pretty, and, you know, we, were we pretty won't get into the stance. Right. We we won't get into the, the inherent dangers of there being three men in white swanning around Vatican City answering to Pope something something. Yeah. So um we won't we won't get into that. Um and so anyway, the the issue is and what's important is that all the means of salvation are still available. So all the tools, all the ingredients to become a saint are still right in front of you. You can you can go into, you know, any church and you can be absolved of your sins and you can receive the Eucharist and you know um, you know that's what's going to make you a saint 
not, you know, I mean, obviously, yes, the world benefits when the church is healthy. Society's problems are come from the, the church. You know, it's, it's uh, what is it, Pius V that says that all the world's problems are from bad Catholics? Oh, yeah, I I heard the quote. I don't remember who said it, but. Right. So, I mean, we're not, we can't blame atheists for the world's problems. I mean, sure. they're not typically smart enough to cause big problems. Um, but uh, the the issue there, yeah, is, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I just don't think that being an activist in church matters is the way to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think staying informed, knowing what you're praying for, and, you know, answering the call that several bishops have made to, you know, make your voice heard or, or whatever is, is fine. Um, but it was just starting to get to be a lot. It was like, can we talk about the faith itself, which is super awesome. And it was like all my favorite, you know, content producers were just only talking about the scandal. So we do want to give an update, but then we want to talk about, you know, cool stuff related to the faith. Yeah, that was, that was good, Zach. I uh, thank you for your service. You'll you'll be given the highest award that we can give on this podcast. What stickers or? Yeah, of course you already got those. That's all we got. Um, th- that's going kind of well, by the way. Everyone seemed to be liking the stickers. Yeah, the sticker gang. I have the rule club to be in. Yeah, so the rule on who? By the way, just for everyone who cares, the rule on who I send it to is you have to actually say that you want them. I mean, there are a few exceptions, like uh, people I know actively don't want them, but I send them anyway. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I'm basically, if you tweet that you want them, then I will send them to you. So that's, that's how people are getting stickers. Um, We're sending more out tomorrow. It's good. It's fun. I like them. But anyway, enough about the sticker gang. Uh, It's, on Sunday, it's the first Sunday of Advent. It always seems like it comes so quickly, but it's always the same time of year, so I don't know why it sneaks up on me. Right. Um, so, yeah, Advent's coming, so let's... Advent is a season of preparation, but you do have to prepare for it a little bit, so we thought we would uh, get you... Uh, give you a head start so you can start thinking how to how to observe Advent this year. Mm-hmm. So um, let's just dive right in. Um, so Advent is a liturgical season. season. Lit- <laughs> yeah. Yes, a liturgical season. It's a real liturgical season, okay. unlike the one that you guys taught me with. Um, wait, 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 what? Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Or- ordinary time. It's a, yeah, whatever that is. Uh, it th- So the length of Advent actually does kind of change because Advent spans four Sundays, mm-hmm. and it's the four Sundays that lead off to Christmas, but Christmas is always on the 25th. So, um, you know, this year Christmas is on a Tuesday, so Advent, you know, lasts three weeks in one day. Last year Christmas was on a Monday, so Advent was exactly three weeks. So it is, you know, on the shorter side this year. Right. Um, it starts this coming Sunday. There's four Sundays. Um, the third one is kind of special Gaudete Sunday where, um, you know, it's a little bit more uh, joyous. But what you'll kind of see at Mass is you'll see the purple vestments. Um, and, you know, similar to like Lent, we take kind of a, 
a, a second to pause and, you know, reflect. It's not, you know, over the top Jubilee throughout this season. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we're preparing, um, on the liturgical calendar. And you guys probably noticed this at mass this Sunday, the last Sunday of Pentecost and the first Sunday of Advent. So this past Sunday and this coming Sunday, um, what the catechism spells out for priests to give sermons on is the end of the world. So a lot of priests do this, um, cause it's kind of the one time of year you can, you can talk about it and you don't, you know, you don't want to people, you know, lose their heads and you've got like crazy Protestant theories like left behind and the rapture and stuff. So, you know, you want to straighten people out, but you don't want to get people too obsessed with end of the world stuff. So, um, do you know why we, uh, talk about the end of the world in conjunction with Advent, Matt? Uh, no, tell me. So Advent, you know, on the surface level is about preparing for Christmas, you know, the coming of, of Jesus Christ in time 2000 years ago. Um, but it's also about preparing for the second coming of Jesus. So we, we combine them. So we're preparing for his coming, both coming, both, you know, both arrivals of, of Christ on earth. Um, and so what we know from scripture is that Christ will come at the end of the world. And that's why we, we look at both Christmas and, and the end of the world. Okay. I like it. Any, any time we can talk about the end of the world, I'm always, I'm always for it. Right. Um, the length of Advent has kind of fluctuated throughout time. Um, sometimes like going back to Feast of St. Michael was when I think sort of a penitential, uh, season to prepare for Christmas would begin. Um, but it kind of floated to four Sundays. What you have to kind of know with this is that there was never in our right, like a committee that sat down and said, okay, here's how this is going to work. And here's how that's going to work. And here's, you know, all of this, even the council of Trent was, you know, smoothing out some rough edges and, and synchronizing some local traditions. It wasn't inventing things out of thin air or coming up with, okay, here's a plan for this cool season. We're going to call Advent. Mm -hmm. These things develop, you know, organically, Mm -hmm going back. And so symbolically we take the four Sundays of Advent to represent the 4,000 years between, um, the foretelling of the coming of, of Jesus in the garden of Eden and the actual arrival of Jesus, um, in the year zero BC. So that's cool. Move through time. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to say in the East, I don't, I don't know anything about the East actually. So they, theirs is different than ours. We need, we need to like, find a Eastern Catholic and do like a Eastern series or something at some point. We can try. It's funny. Um, you know, the, a lot of the stuff, the information I'm pulling from is, uh, from the liturgical year set by, um, Dom Prosper Garen Jay. And he, mm-hmm. he talks about how he, he tried to include things from the Greek rite when it was, uh, like intelligible or whatever. He kind of <laughs> dismissed it as, uh, as just, you know, impossible to follow. And so, I mean, you know, Latin, right. Best, right. Just saying, but, uh, oldest and most venerable. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's cool things in the East too. Do you do anything particular for Advent map? Um, no, I do not Zach. I mean, expect- well, I'm so glad that you're tuned into this episode too. Yeah. No, I, so, here in Los Angeles, in my swing and bachelor pad, I don't do much of anything ex- except watch sports. Uh, 
so there, there are no Advent traditions here. But uh, growing up in Scottsdale, Arizona, um, we would I don't know we would have the we would have the wreath and we would light the candles, and uh, we would have the nativity scene, but we wouldn't put out baby Jesus until it was time. And we had a few advent calendars. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, you kind of hit on some of the things that people can do. So oh, great. Um, one thing that I kind of like is, yeah, putting out a crash or nativity scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the you know, you kind of add to it as you go, but you don't put baby Jesus in the manger until Christmas Day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, come back for midnight mass and 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 put Jesus out. Right. Um, the other fun thing with that is if you have the three wise men, is you you know you kind of start them on their journey whenever you want, but you just gradually move them closer and closer until the feast of the Epiphany on January sixth, um, because oh, that's, that's cool. when they, yeah, that's when they arrived, or you know that's the feast that commemorates that. So mm-hmm. like. Um, what I did, cause I had an activity set with my roommates is I would like sneak into their rooms and, and put them on like their bookshelf or something. And as they kind of moved their way to the, uh, the crash, cause I had three Catholic roommates and we, you know, we had our house pretty, it was a pretty Catholic environment, I guess we had, you know, icons and stuff everywhere. Sure. Um, so yeah, you kind of move them closer. You'll probably notice in your parish, a lot of parishes do that. Um, you know, if they have like statues of the three wise men, they'll gradually get closer to the, uh, manger scene. That's fun. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. One thing that families with children sometimes do is they get like some straw and whenever the children do something good or someone in the family does something, you know, good, you just take a piece of straw and you place it on the manger. And the idea is, you know, within the time of Advent, before you put Jesus out in the manger, you kind of build a soft bed for him. Okay. Okay, I recommend this a million times more than like Elf on a Shelf for trying to get your kids to behave in the month of December. Um, you know, because it's it's rewarding and it's it's Christ-centered and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that. The other thing for nativity scenes, if you don't have one, I would recommend making like the one-time investment in order uh, like the sort of basic set from Fontanini is the name of the company. Okay. Um, because you can get basically, you know, either the cave or the stable, whichever one you want to do. We know in reality it was both. Like it was in a cave, but it was a stable. Um, you know, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, a manger, you know, the basic kit. And you basically buy whichever size you want. There's a three inch, a five inch, a seven and a half inch. There's like different sizes of the Fontanini sets. And then there's a million additional things you can get. You know, wise men, donkeys, angels, you know, shepherds, uh, you know, background characters, extras, trees. And, you know, you start with the base set and for kind of forever you can get, you know, a new piece to add to it. And Fontanini's been around forever. They'll be around forever. You can find them in a lot of gift stores or you can order directly from them online. Zach, um, I have, yeah. I have a confession. I, I do know what these are. I don't, I, I don't know if I just said I didn't know what these are, but we actually every year, uh, and this might not be the exact same company, but every year my parents would get us 
a different character for the set. So like, yeah, so we would just, we would get, um, yeah, we would every, every year we get like, I don't know, a camel or a, a wise man yeah. or something. So yeah, we have each of, each of the brothers have their own little sets going on. Nice. Yeah. I mean, check and see, yeah, but I would bet that it's Fontanini because, you know, you can find nativity sets, you know, at Hobby Lobby or wherever, mm-hmm. Costco even, but you can't really be sure that that same one's going to be available. Whereas Fontanini, like it's, it'll be there next year, next year, next year. And, um, you know, I always get relatives and my grandmother asking me for gift ideas right. and it's kind of like anything I don't feel bad about asking cause it's expensive. I probably just bought like on the way back from work one day. Right. So <laughs> it's nice to have a go-to gift of like, well, pick me something out. You know, I, I have, I have, you know, this and this already, and, you know, and I have the five inch set. So, you know, pick something out for me and then it's fun for them. It's affordable and it's, you know, something you can kind of add to over time. So make the one-time investment, get yourself a Fontanini um, and have it blessed, of course, uh, and then set that up in your house. Oh, man, I need to get mine blessed. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, the other thing is an Advent wreath. And so these are obviously very classic. This is actually something we totally jacked from the Protestants. Did you know that? Good. Let's take it back. Right. Well, that's what people don't realize is like we don't, take things from protestants for the sake of being like protestants but if if they do come up with something good you know yeah we are we are pro- there's no reason we can't we appropriate it to catholicism right and you know i mean obviously people associate them more with catholicism than protestantism anyway so i'd say we've won basically <laughs> it's a wreath um you can make your own and then you have or you can buy one and then there's four candles three of them will be purple and one will be pink slash rose um, and to know which one to light, just watch the preset mass, you know, when they're wearing purple, light a purple candle when they're wearing rose slash pink, light a pink candle. Right. Um, and, and just go on fish eaters website and you can find readings and prayers to go with it. And so either privately, you know, say the prayers and light the candles or do it as a family. Cause kids love playing with fire, <laughs> you know, so you can let them light the candles. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, kids like playing with fire, and they should be encouraged to do so. Anyway. Yeah, you know, for, for special occasions, for holy reasons. Right, of course, of course. Sacred, sacred purposes. The fire of the Holy Spirit, of course. Right. Um, the other thing to do during Advent is the St. Andrew's Novena. Oh, man, you just might have given away our Saints of the Week, but continue. Oh, good. Um, so the St. Andrew's Novena starts on November 30th, which is the Feast of St. Andrew. Uh-huh. And you pray it 15 times a day. Excuse me? Um, you can usually... 15, yeah, you say? You pray, you, yes. Okay. Every day until Christmas. Um, and I probably have it memorized from doing it every year. It's Hail and Blessed Be the oh. Hour and Moment... Oh, no, I can't remember. So it it... You it's tried. It's all right. Um, anyway, it's a prayer that you say 15 times, and you, you can you know pick an intention to go with it. You could, you know, I think it's a good time to just pray for the church. Um, but, you know, there can also be things in your life that you want to make the intention. Um, it, it's it's neat because it's Christmas-centered. You know, it talks about, you know, when when our Lord was born and, and that kind of stuff. So it's a fun prayer. You do it 15 times a day every day mm-hmm. um, for, you know, the whole month of December. And, uh, 
Uh, I'm told by a priest that our Lord doesn't refuse uh, the intentions for that prayer. So, um, you know, or he, this priest said it in his lifetime, he's never had an intention that he didn't see granted by our Lord with that novena. Hail and blessed be the hour and moment in which the Son of God was born of the most pure Virgin Mary at midnight in Bethlehem in the piercing cold. In that hour vouchsafe, I beseech thee, O my God, to hear my prayers and grant my desires through the merit of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and of his blessed mother. Amen. Is that it? There it is. Okay. Yes. And that brings me to another point, is the date of Christmas. Oh, man. Get ready for some controversy. So, okay. A lot of people like to slam dunk on the church and, you know, say, oh, well, Christmas, our Lord Jesus, or they don't call him that, but Jesus wasn't really born on December 25th. Right. And then they start, you know, high-fiving. And, like, I will just tell you that any time you see, like, a wide swath of of atheists or non-believers high-fiving, it's probably around the dumbest point you could imagine. And this is definitely one of those times. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So it's very easy to back into the fact that our Lord was born on December 25th. Right. Um, In the Old Testament, it spells out the the cycle of feasts and you know one thing you'll notice about the old testament is the vivid detail that's put to the liturgical practices when god spells out exactly how he wants to be worshiped um and you kind of look at each of the groups of priests and when their season is okay well then you flip to the new testament saint zachary father of john the baptist okay he's in the temple serving his time as priest when he's, you know, told that his son will be born the forerunner and then struck mute by the angel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. You can, you know, use those feast calendars to pinpoint when this happened, which was around, I believe, September. Um, six months later, so that's what? September, October, November, December, January, February, March. Okay. Right. When Mary is told... What Mary does after she finds out that she's going to, you know, she's with child for our Lord is she heads out to visit St. Elizabeth, who is six months with child. And so that's why six months she would have been visiting her in March with, you know, we know that the, you know, if our Lord was born or, you know, if, if that means our Lord was conceived in March, then nine months later, he's born on Christmas. So, you know, December 25th. Um, so you can, does that, did you follow that, Matt? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. September um, to September to March and then March to December. Right. And then you just go to I, I think it's Chronicles, but somewhere in the Old Testament you can pinpoint when uh Zechariah the father of um John the Baptist would have been in the temple when that whole dialogue happens when he gets struck mute. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's not that difficult, guys. Um the other thing is that they probably would have just asked our lady and said, "Hey, when was he born? And so, you know, ask any, find any mother that you can find and ask them if they know when their first child was born. Right. And I, I guarantee you 100% of them will say yes. And that would have been when the early church set the feast day. Um, but we all know, we all know that uh, Christ was born in the summer, but God allowed Christmas in the winter to own the pagans, Right. That's basically what happened. Yeah. It's like it's a we all know it's not true, but we just did it to own the pagans. Right. And you know, besides that being like a stupid point, it's also just, you know, demonstrably false. Right. Um 
but you know, again, so wow, all your atheist friends, and then you're kind of smart aleck Protestants that will constantly bring up like these fake gospels that have been dug up and you know, the people I'm talking about, I'm sure. Um, you know, basically the idea that our Lord isn't born on, you know, in December is a conspiracy theory and it's a ridiculous conspiracy theory. And so it's such a weird, drop, drop it. such a weird hill to die on too. If you choose to go that way. Right. Right. Yeah. Weird flex, but okay. Oh, wow. See, I don't, the youth, I don't know why we don't have more of the youth listening. We are totally in with them. Yeah. Um, so a big thing I also learned from people at my parish, and I think this will actually be much more controversial than any point we've made previously. Okay. You ready? Okay. No Christmas music during Advent. Ooh. Except some families do it on Sunday. Okay. Why is that? Oh, because, you know, similar to Lent, you know, Sunday is is a is always a celebration. It's a feast day. Right. It's a solemnity. So, you know, Sundays are like mini Christmases. So you can listen to your your Christmas music on Sundays, okay. but uh, not any of the other days. What do you think? Uh, sure. I'm also of the mind that if you want to listen to Christmas music in August because you're feeling it, might as well do it. But... Uh, I do think that we need to reestablish that the Christmas season does start after Christmas. That's the main thing. We are in Advent, and then we are then we are in Christmas. Right. You know, I mean, that's the idea. Is like Christmas is much more than just one day. Mm-hmm. It obviously starts on the twenty fifth, and then there's kind of the the octave, and then the twelve days, and then it really continues until Candle Mass on February second, and you know, we've, uh, what the world has seen this year from Catholics is a lot of scandals and covering up, you know, bad stuff and, and corruption. Why don't we show them how happy we are that our Lord was born on earth by partying all Christmas starting on the 25th? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. What, they, you, you know, everyone loves it so much. Let's extend it out past Christmas. Like, why are we, why are we so ready to throw away our trees uh, the afternoon of the twenty fifth. Let's keep those suckers up and let them let them just dry out. But let's have a let's have a fun time. Right, my tree will be up until February second at the earliest, and your apartment um, will be burning down somewhere in there. I'm actually going to do a fake tree this year. Don't tell anybody. But the oh, people I man. I buy a tree from a family at our parish, yeah. and they're not selling them this year. And I already have a fig tree, so I'm just going to go with it. Mabry, we um, we have reputations to uphold. I know, I know. Also, um, so uh, let's go ahead. We we won't we won't discuss the details specifically, but we have some fun stuff coming up for the Christmas season that we we're working on right now. Right, we're going to do no fun all of Advent, but then yeah, it'll be fun. NFA no fun Advent. EFC extra fun Christmas. Yes. Okay. So we've talked about nativity scenes. We talked about advent wreaths. We talked about the St. Andrews novena Mm -hmm. and not doing Christmas music during advent. Um, Some other cool things. The feast of St. Nicholas will come up on December 6th, which is a Thursday. Um, 
that's a gift giving holiday traditionally. So a lot of times you could do like candy. I think that's what like gold coins and stuff is traditional. Oh yeah, we would um, we would do that. We would we'd have yeah. a, not necessarily gold coins, but we would always have stockings full or shoes full or whatever you do for that. And very nice. You know, yeah, I was thinking I'm going to take Candy to work for that. Didn't he punch and, a heretic know. too? Isn't that the best part about Saint Nicholas? Yes. Oh, that reminds me. I got my picture taken with Saint Nicholas uh, after Mass last Sunday. So uh, when that's available, I'll uh, we'll, I'll put it out on the Twitter. Amazing. Um, let's see. So that's Saint Nicholas. Oh, and then also, what's really cool is the Rorate Mass. So. Um, Rurate, you're probably familiar with that term because of the blog, Rurate Chele. Mm-hmm. And that actually comes from the introit uh, from the Mass on the Saturday before the second Sunday of Advent, which this year will be December 15th. Um, and that is a really cool Mass. It'll be early in the morning on that Saturday. And the uh, they make the church pitch black, no lights, except for the candles on the altar. And they have a whole Mass. It's beautiful. It's for Our Lady, um, and you know everyone should try to go to that. Oh, it is early in the morning. Um, my parish always posts pictures of the Rorade Mass, so maybe we can throw those out there because um, it's it's really cool. But if not, just you know, go to your missal and read the prayers and look at pictures. If you you know if you can't get to a six a.m. Mass on Saturday, there's a, about a one in five chance that I make it to that Mass. So, <laughs> uh, um, I like those odds. Yes. So, you know, we'll talk more about different things. There's a, uh, you know, there's things like there's antiphons and other novenas that we can get into in later episodes. But this is kind of a good, uh, good start to things. Um, Traditionally, people kind of start preparing the house for Advent the Saturday before the first Sunday. So that's this coming Saturday. And, you know, they, they maybe put up their tree, but don't light it and, you know, kind of kind of get there. But you don't want to get festive yet, you know, like. Take this time to embrace the stillness, the quietness. Prepare yourself for the coming of our Lord. Um, I, don't get sucked into the commercial stuff. That's kind of what I like. I they, I do like the aspects of waiting and kind of uh, putting it off, like putting off the celebration and kind of you know making it. I, I don't know if it makes it more special or it may has a bigger impact. But if, instead of like you know, you don't basically Zach. You don't want to eat the pizza straight out of the oven because you'll burn the roof of your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Does anyone know what I'm saying? But that's how I feel. Put it on. Just uh, you know, take a take a few minutes, and it'll it'll be great when you eat it, and it won't sting you. I don't know. I have no idea where that's going. Beautiful metaphor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, should we? All right, so have a blessed Advent. Tweet at us about it. Let us know what you're doing to not celebrate Christmas early. Let us, and, let uh, us know what you're not doing. Yes, share share your, uh, your, your sackcloth and ashes with us. Oh, yeah, that's if you're looking for gift ideas, you can always send us some of that. Amen. Shall we do a saint of the week, Zach? We shall. Okay, um, First of all, I have a saint of two weeks ago, a Twitter friend and listener, Emily, was sad that we missed out two weeks ago. We didn't do a saint on the Clement episode because the episode was pretty long. 
So I just want to go back and say two weeks ago, if we could have done a saint, it would have been St. Albert the Great. That's who That's who would have been the saint of the week, Zach. His saint day, his feast day is uh, November 15th, and he's a patron of scientists, philosophers, medical technicians, and natural sciences, and he was canonized by Pope Pius XI in 1931. He was also beatified in 1622, so it was almost 350 years after he died, he was beatified, and then another 300 years before he was canonized. Go figure. But hey, um, you know, whatever. Uh, This week, St. Andrew. You guessed it. Zach, Zach already called it. St. Andrew, feast day, November 30th. He was born in 5 BC, and he died in the mid to late 1st century. He has a major shrine in Amalfi, Italy, and in Edinburgh, Scotland, in Warsaw, and in Greece. So that's pretty cool. He's the patron of... Scotland, Georgia, Barbados, Ukraine, Russia, Sicily, Greece, Cyprus, Romania, uh, Prussia, the Diocese of Victoria, fishermen, fishmongers, and rope makers, textile workers, singers, miners, pregnant women, butchers, farm workers, whooping cough, oh, sorry, protection against whooping cough, and protection against fever. Oh, man, he's got it, he's got it all covered. Yeah, for you anti-vaxxers out there, you probably want to throw up some prayers for this guy. Just kidding. There's a lot of talk about vaccines on Twitter, not to bring up a controversial topic. Zach, that word on the Roman Circus podcast is illegal. I know. Probably cut this out. Nah, it's all right. I'm going to leave it in. Uh, yeah, the big thing about him is the novena. That's that's something that we learned today. Uh, it's also a national day in Scotland, which is kind of cool. So yeah, we'll uh if we did show notes, this would be a perfect sign time to uh post the novena prayer to show notes, but we'll link to it on Twitter. I'll 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 rile something up for show notes and throw it in there too, so perfect. But yeah, St. Andrew, saint of the week. Pray for us, St. Andrew. All right, Zach, good work. Well, everyone uh Have a good first week of Advent, and we will talk to you all next week. See ya.